0: we got a standalone message today between the generous series and we're going to go back into the book of Genesis next week. And we're going to finish up Genesis. If you've been with us any length of time, um, two years ago we were in Genesis 1 through 11. Last year we were in 12 through 35. Um, This year we're going to finish up the book of Genesis and uh, up to chapter 50. But we're specifically going to look at the life of Joseph. So we're going to have seven or eight messages on the life of Joseph, and I can't wait to bring that starting next week. But in the meantime, um, usually around Valentine's, I like to do a standalone message on marriage or relationships. And I, I, I asked, I've had two sons married in the last couple of years, and I asked my, youngest, my, my second son, so if I could talk about anything on marriage, what would it be? And he said, talk about the difference between men and women. I'm like, okay, we can do that. Um, but m- as I gave more thought to that, and talked to more students and more people, I really wanted to go in the direction this 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 morning about, uh, and I entitled it Identity, Male and Female, looking at gender and what God has created that to be. So, so that's where we're going this morning. And I've been walking around with this, because if Every Sunday before I preach, I usually quote or pray Psalm 19, verse 14, which says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So for Christmas, Hannah, um, Tracy's sister, and Tracy um, got this and had this made for me from a person in Haiti. And it's made out of a 55-gallon kind of drum top, and it's got the words just etched into here. And I thought, what a better sermon to have that mounted right here as I preach the whole time because that's what I want this morning. These are not my words. These are the words that the Holy Spirit has given me and the words of Jesus through his word that we're going to be talking about this morning. So let's bow in prayer and before we begin. So Father, just very simply May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, for you are my God, you are my rock, you are my redeemer, and Father, you are ultimate truth. So Father, use this morning in the lives of our people and those that hear online in whatever way they need. Allow freedom to come through this morning very clearly. So we pray this in a very precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so as parents, there comes a time in our journey when we have to talk to our kids about how babies are made. And it makes parents extremely nervous, but it's even more awkward for our our children. And for generations, we have known kind of what to expect as we've had the talk. But the culture that we live in right now has gone beyond the birds and the bees. These are, the, these are the days where we kind of get questions like this. Am I a boy or am I a girl? Or, or am I neither one? What if I am a boy and, and, and I feel like I should be a girl? Or what if I'm a girl and I feel like I'm attracted to girls? And those are questions that we get. And when we have to start answering these questions, we have officially moved beyond the birds and the bees. A few years back, I was talking to a dad and a mom about something their 15-year-old girl was going through. And she, she said she was struggling with whether or not she was binary or not. So let me clarify a few words as we move forward to help this conversation. So male and female are binary categories. Non-binary means not male, not female, means something else, not that. And then we have the word transgender that we have thrown around and we, we hear about and we're we'll talking about this morning. Transgender means that in a general, you were born a male or a female, but you want to be the opposite gender. But, but the way those, that, that, that parent worded the question is what really got my attention. These words didn't surprise me. That struggle didn't surprise me. But what they, how they worded the question is what got my attention. This is what they said. My 15-year-old daughter, like many 15-year-old girls, is struggling to know if she's binary or not. And that phrase that stuck out to me was like many 15-year-old girls that are struggling with this issue. So I I did a little bit of digging a few years ago and again now as I thought about this, and most research that I found out and most studies that I've read show that gender identity becomes a debate in about one-fifth of the teenagers nowadays. These studies show that 26% of adolescent girls and about 11% of teenage boys would classify their gender differently two out of three years while they're in this time period. And for those teens, there was a real struggle and confusion. Am I a boy? Am I a girl? am i something else talk to the teens about that something else right now what's my real identity who am i these, these these young people are being bombarded by messages that are online and in the media from from some of their teachers they were having conversations with their friends they're experiencing peer pressure but the inner turmoil was real They just do not know what to believe. Which often leads people to say that that they have gender dysphoria. Another term that I want to quick talk about briefly. Can I have the next slide, please? Gender dysphoria is clinically significant distress caused when a person's assigned birth, we'll come back to that, assigned birth gender is not the same as the one with which they identify. So keep these terms in your mind. And there's a lot of other ones we could have identified. But I want to have you keep these terms in your mind as we move forward. So clinical dysphoria is real and is exceedingly rare. Typically affecting about 0.01% of the population and overwhelmingly males. So roughly about 1 in 10,000 males. And it typically begins in early childhood, ages two to four, where a little boy insists, no, mommy, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. And the boy who is insistent and consistent and persistent that they are in the wrong body. And by all accounts, it's excruciating. And it's real. But research shows that the, the majority of these boys, the clinical part of it, will outgrow it on their own. Some struggle with it their whole lives, and some become transsexual adults. So I want to draw our attention back to what the parents said. Like many other 15-year-old girls, in our culture today, there is a social contagion that is spreading like wildfire among adolescent girls. Many of them do not have the typical gender dysphoria as the the definition here, but they are confused about their identity, and they have many questions. If you don't believe me, go over to the high school right now, and even the middle school. Have conversations with the teachers. So, So why should we talk about this? Number one, because it's a growing issue in our culture and among our young people. In America, in 2007, there is exactly one gender clinic. One. Clinics where gender reassignment are occurring. Anyone here to guess how many are now? Can't quite count them all up. 300. And of those 300, 60 of them are pediatric clinics. Number two reason I want to talk about this. Because people we love are walking through this. In our community and in our church. Number three reason. Because there is a confusion between gender identity and sexual orientation. As Dave and I talked, I wish I could park it here the whole time. But we're not going to. But I need to have you understand this. Sexual orientation has to do with who you are attracted to physically and emotionally. people who are really down really far down the path of this sexual orientation and this the confusion there they would say that the sexual orientation is their identity and that's who they are but gender identity seeks to answer the question who am i really So that is kind of the the, the foundation, the gender identity is kind of the foundation of this whole discussion of sexual orientation. The fourth reason I want to talk about this, because women and children's rights are being violated. Planned Parenthood can give out testosterone at the first visit. Depending on the state, it absolutely can give it to minors. Just this week in the news, Google Oklahoma Google, I think it's Idaho or Oregon. Story after story. Number five, because for centuries, women have fought for equal rights. And now they have men, yes, men using their bathrooms, and men on their sports teams. Why else should we talk about this as Christians? Because for too long, we've been silent and squeamish to talk about things like this. And we need to talk and understand this, especially with your children. As I talked to many of our young people, one of their main concerns is that even though they do not personally struggle with gender identity themselves, they have a host of friends that are, and they just don't know what to say or how to say it. Even leaders and in the schools and, and coaches and everything else, it's like, what can we say without getting in trouble? The movement is so quick. And it had grown so fast that we're just sitting here spinning like, what can we do about this? And how do we talk about it? Do we have any rights? So we need to talk about it. And number, and then I don't know, number seven or another reason why. Because it's, for too long the attitude has been, even in the church, If it does not directly affect me, then just leave this topic alone. Let people live how they want to live. Don't cause a stir. And and, and there's some truth in that. But as Christians, we believe that, that there are absolute truths that are set forth by God. There is some truths that God sets forth that we cannot compromise on. And we stand on those. Satan hates that. And he is waging war on that. And this whole idea of male and female gender is found in the first chapter of the Bible. It's foundational to our beliefs. And what does Satan want to do? He wants to knock that out from underneath it. It's like he's done with creationism. Oh, you don't believe the earth is created in six days? That's fine. No! The Bible says God created in six days. Foundational to our truth foundational to our faith, and the devil just wants to take that with male and female as well and knock that out from underneath us. He targets the foundation. So my heart behind this message is people and absolute truth, God's absolute truth. Real people that are in this community, even attend this church. Real people who God values and cares about. Real people that we care about. People who need to find freedom parents who need answers, and people to walk alongside of them. There is freedom and clarity in Jesus Christ, and that's my heart's desire today. But before I get there, I want to set some ground rules. First, I don't have time to address every situation or objection. Over the last few years, I have read some books. I've listened to many, many speakers, trying to see where they land on this topic, and as I've been processing this, I know that in my typical 35 minutes, it's not going to be 35 today, so might as well get comfortable. <laughs> in my typical time up here, I can't talk about everything. I know there will be objections. But, but Pastor, what about this? I just don't have the space to address it right now. I realize that everybody's situation and circumstances are different. So I've attached I usually print out my sermon. Barb does for me, and then, then so they're in the foyer area. On the back page, I've attached a resource list with a bunch of books that Stucky recommended, and some I've read. um, um, A YouTube video I listened to, a couple other things, just really good resources for you. Second thing, second ground rule: it's okay if you disagree. It's okay if you disagree. We tend to live in a culture right now that if you disagree with me, then I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you disagree with me, then I'm going to block you. I'm not going to listen to you. No, we're not going to have conversations. That's not very helpful or healthy. If you're here today and you're saying, I'm not sure what to think about Jesus. I'm not sure what the Bible says about truth. I'm glad you're here. That you had the courage to come or even maybe were forced to come. But thank you for being here. And even if you disagree with some of the things that I'm going to say, it doesn't mean that we can't interact. It doesn't mean that we can't love each other and have a relationship. It doesn't mean that we can communicate with each other. All right, third ground rule. Our, my approach, I'll, Ephesians 5 14 with me. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. What he is saying is that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And if we want to grow in maturity, if we want to become more and more like Christ, we will speak the truth in love. Here's what immature Christians do. They speak the truth, but they don't do so in love. I'm going to just tell it like it is, and I don't care what they think or how they feel, or if you're offended, I'm just going to speak the truth. And if you're on the other side and you're receiving the, they're like, that's not, what are you going to do? You're just going to shut down. And you're like, this person doesn't care, even if they do have the truth. But here's another example of immature Christian. The opposite side. They love the people so much, which is great. They're, they, 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 they're compassionate. But through that course, they compromise on the truth. They disregard the truth. A mature Christian speaks the truth and they do so in love. John 1 15, I love this passage. Jesus is described this way, full of grace and truth. If you've never gone back and listened to Ben's sermon on this, you need to. That was three, four years ago. Powerful. Jesus was not 50-50. He was not 75-25. He was 100 percent grace and truth he didn't tip grace this time truth this time he was 100 percent grace and truth and we need to be the same if we are to become more and more like christ right amen amen all right so that begs the question what is truth some of you are sitting here saying what are you talking about ryan you can actually know absolute truth yes I could do a whole message on this, but I'm not going to because I don't have time. But I just want to quote Jesus in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way and the truth, Jesus says. Truth is not found in politics or a politician. Truth is not found in cultural trends or what the majority seems to believe. Truth is not found in our opinions or our feelings. Truth is found in the person of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Nope, that's all? Everybody should be applauding that if you believe that. When it comes to Jesus, I do not want to pick and choose what truth is. I don't want to say, Jesus, I know you predicted your death. I know you, you resurrected back to life. But when it comes to this topic or that topic, whatever topic you struggle with, I don't need to pay much attention to that. We can't do that. We can't do that. I do not want to conform god's words to my opinion i want to conform my opinions to god's word and i want the church as a whole and here at fbc to do the same that was a long setup so here's three questions i want to address this morning what makes a biological male and female what does the bible say about males and females And what should a parent do if their child says they are non-binary or transgender? And this can even apply to if you're struggling with it yourself. There will be some practical things to to, to look at. So first one, what makes a biological male and female? Yes, this is actually a question in our culture today. I've heard two things that I talk to people about this sermon. Really, Ryan, you're going to talk about this? We don't need to talk about this. Get your head out of the sand. The second thing, the second thing I, I, I hear is, I'm struggling with this, or I don't know how to talk about it. But it is a question. It is a question. In the scientific community, among the biologists, there's a consensus about what makes a male and a female. There are three primary characteristics. First is reproduction. Men and women have different ways of reproducing, different internal reproductive organs. Men cannot get pregnant. Only women can. Second thing, external anatomy. Male Men and women have different exterior reproductive organs. And third one is the presence or the absence of the Y chromosome. So science says it's reproduction, external anatomy, and the absence or presence of the Y chromosome. But that does not settle it for everyone in our culture. This is the question now that is continually being asked in our culture. Next slide, please. If a person has incongruence, in other words, there is something not lining up up in their lives. If a person has incongruence between their biological self and their internal sense of self, which ones determine who they are? What's being asked in this question is this. If a person is a biological male, but from a very young age they had this inner sense that they should be a female, which one trumps the other? Or does their biological self trump their inner self, or does their inner self trump their biological self? This is why Facebook had 71 options for gender when you got to put who you were on your Facebook profile. Finally a few years ago they said well we're going to do away with that and we're just going to have a custom one you can write what you want to write If you want a good laugh or more a good cry go read those Often you will hear this phrase the gender that the doctor assigned that was in the definition of gender dysphoria earlier The first time I heard this I was like I was like I pictured a doctor flipping a coin heads boy Tails girl. Oh, it's a girl has tails. But that's not what science says. Science does not say a doctor assigns your gender at birth, but they identify your gender at birth. They identify your gender at birth on reproduction, external anatomy, and the presence or the absence of a Y chromosome. So let me pause here, and I want to address a question that's come up quite often. What if my son or daughter seems to be really into stuff that is normally associated with the other gender. What do I do if my son is really into pink and princesses? What do I do if my daughter wears her hat backwards and does not want to wear a dress and is really into fantasy football? Does that mean they're transgender? Does that mean they're non-binary or that they should have a sex change? The answer is no. And the reason I say that Is there is a difference between gender stereotypes, which are culturally constructed, and gender absolutes, which is biologically identified. For example, in the Ladies' Home Journal in 1918, this is a quote that they had. Pink, being more decidedly a strong color, is more suitable for boys. While blue, which is more delicate and dainty, is prettier for a girl. Can you imagine a gender review party? Louis, right now. Louis, if you had a gender review party and you you shot off pink confetti, what would you say you're having? A girl. Not in 1918. Not in 1918. So be very, very careful. Disney, this is another kind of example here. Disney kept producing these Princess videos, and my kids were younger. My boys, I have four boys, are the oldest. And I remember one time going to a store, and one of my boys said, Daddy, can I have a princess, like figurine? And the internal struggle in me is like, Ugh, what do I do? Anyway, I won't tell you how, but they ended up with a princess figurine. They played with it, but not a few months later, that princess figurine was in his Cowboys and Indian figurines, and they were playing war with the prince's figurine. And a year later, he was interested in sports. Did his gender change? No, his interest did. And if you're here today, and you're a girl, and you're like, I don't like to wear a dress, I want to dress in camouflage, I want to wear my hat backwards and play football, this does not mean you're transgender. This does not mean you're non-binary. It does not mean you need to have a sex change. It simply means you do not follow the typical stereotypes. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can wrestle through that. That's okay. But my real concern is with parents in our culture, whose 8-year-old, 11-year-old, 14-year-old show signs of interest in things that normally you would associate with the opposite gender. And based on that, the parents decide to have a life-altering decision and to have surgery or take a pill that moves them in the opposite gender, and it's happening all the time. Some massive misunderstandings of gender identity is happening. Just another example. In the Bible, King David wept, and he played the harp. Meanwhile, in the book of Judges, Deborah was leading the nation of Israel into war and she was fighting in battle with a sword taking people's lives. Understand the difference between gender absolutes and gender stereotypes. It's so important in this discussion. Ideology does not trump biology. Second question I want to ask. What does the Bible say about being male and female it's always good to look at science but we need to start with the Bible first we need to know what God's word has to say about this and then does science line up with what the word of God says if it does not science is wrong my degree is a bachelor in science from Grand Valley State University and that was not what they believed Always start with the Bible. Always start with the Bible. Now some people will point out Jesus never used the term transgender, and he did not. About seven, eight years ago, a a student in the youth group that I had in the youth group from sixth grade all the way through high school, had a great relationship with him, went off, we were eating lunch at the Brown Bear, and he started questioning this whole idea of genders. I said, where are you getting this from? Where is this coming from? He said, Jesus never talked about it. And because Jesus never talked about it, he justified in his mind that it was okay. But his thinking was flawed. The reason Jesus never used the term transgender was because Jesus was Jewish. And he ministered to predominantly Jewish people. And within Judaism, this issue was not controversial. It was pretty settled. They took the Torah literally. That does not mean there were no people in the first century that were not struggling with transgenderism or or gender identity. We see in Leviticus and we see in, in Deuteronomy where God is giving some very strict guidelines to what and how they are to live. But the word of God speaks very, very clearly about male and female. I want to walk through just a little bit of that. So it starts in Genesis 127, a very, very familiar verse. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The Bible says we are made in God's image. The Hebrew word here for image means likeness. And the Greek word, the New Testament word, always pictures like an idol or this idol that is made to mirror the original. So think like golden calves or, or, or wood poles that are, are carved into the, 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 the likeness or the, the, what the, the invisible God might have looked like. So he's saying when he wrote this that all these other religions have Things carved into their likeness. But me as the God, that I am, the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, the great I am, my physical representation, what was made in my image is male and female. Male and female. Men on their own do not encompass the whole image of God fully. Women on their own do not encompass the whole picture of God fully. You put the two together, and this is God's image, created in God's likeness. But now move down to the next verse, in verse 28, and it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Notice the progression, created them male and female in his likeness, and now he's talking about what? Reproduction, right? He's talking about reproduction. Human beings are created in the image of God. He created them male and female. And part of being male and female is to reproduce. Reproduction. So then Jesus picks this up in the New Testament in the book of Matthew. Where he's speaking to a group of Pharisees about the issue of divorce. And this is what he says. Haven't you read the scriptures? So he's talking about the Old Testament. Specifically the Torah, the, specifically the first septuagint in the first five verses, first five chapters. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And then he said, this is, explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So according to Jesus now, God made us male and female. So did Jesus talk about this issue? Yes, Jesus was present at creation. When we studied Genesis 1, we said that God created, and the the word there is Elohim, the the plural, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus was present at creation, so He knew how men and women were to be created, and that they're created in God's likeness. So I want to stress right now these are not my words. I didn't craft them in my office. The elders didn't say, hold my hand behind my back and say, Pastor Ryan, say this. These are the words of Jesus himself. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to listen to his words and live accordingly. But I want to pause here and make a distinction. The Bible never condemns transgender people. The focus is on behavior and there's a difference. There's a difference between desiring something and acting upon that desire. You can desire something, and that's not necessarily a sin. But you may be tempted by something, and if you don't act on it, it's not necessarily a sin. But let me say to the... So much I want to say this morning. Not all desires and feelings are meant to be acted on. If I acted on every desire and feeling I had, my life would be a total mess. I wouldn't have a marriage. I wouldn't be the dad that God has called me to. No way would I be a pastor. Just because someone has a desire to be a different gender, and that's real, does not mean you should do that. So I was speaking to a father who said his daughter came home from camp last summer. And she said, I think I've heard, she said, I I heard from God this summer for the first time in my life. And the dad was really excited and it was awesome. Share with me what he said. And this 12-year-old girl said, I heard God tell me that I am beautiful and loved just the way I am. Just the way he created me to be. And my hope and my prayer as your pastor is that every boy and girl, man and woman, that you, you will know that you are beautiful, that you are loved the way that God created you. It says in Psalm 139, 13 and 14, let's read this together. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb thank you for making me so wonderfully complex your workmanship is marvelous how well i know it do you know that well that you are fearfully and wonderfully made that god knit you together in your mother's womb do you know that you're made in the image of god male and female A prayer today is that we can trust God's design and we'll have peace in how God created us. Third point. Third question. What should a parent do if their child says they are non-binary or transgender? Start here. Love your son. Love your daughter. Don't abandon them in the struggle. If anything, move closer to them. You may not agree with every belief or behavior choice. Your parents didn't agree with all yours either. But they should never doubt your love. They should never doubt your loyalty to them as their parents. Love them. But now I do need to say there is a difference between love and affirmation. I need to say this because we are increasingly hearing people say that if you love me, then you will affirm me. In other words, you You will affirm every belief and behavior that I have. While love and affirmation are related, they're not the same thing. Speaking truth is one of the most loving things you can do. Let me use this example. If your daughter or son came home and said, I feel fat, and I'm going to go on this really unhealthy, unrestricted, uh, this restrictive diet, I'm going to starve myself because I feel fat, what would you do as a parent? You would love your child probably even more, but you would not agree to their plan. Because love and affirmation are related, but they are not the same. It's possible to love somebody and not affirm everything they believe or every behavior that they have. Jesus embodies fullness of truth and grace. He's the only person that has ever done it well. We're going to fail, but we're growing in his likeness. To the religious leaders of his day, Jesus often gave them a huge dose of truth, but then a more tender version of him came out when Nicodemus came to him in the quiet, and they could have a conversation. And Jesus also showered grace, oceans of grace, and those who were downtrodden and, and, and oppressed? Re, re, remember him weeping over Jerusalem, just crying for the city? And he would weep for those caught in a sin? That's one reason I love the chosen. You get to see the, the, the humanness of Jesus and what that might have looked like. He could compassionately see the person and he could see their potential and he saw, saw Zacchaeus and the women caught in idolatry. And even in their state, he offered them grace, but then he also called them to repent. He called them through truth. Grace and truth offered in the exact measures needed. We're called to do the same. So I want to talk to two groups as I close. I do have another whole page. I'm going to skip through that right now. But I want to talk to two people as I, cr- as I close, two groups of people. First, I want to talk to those of you that are struggling and resting through gender dysphoria. And yes, there are people here struggling with that. Thank you for sticking with me. I know it's been long. And you're probably thinking, because I've heard this as I've talked to people. Pastor, you say you love me. You say people are called to love me. But at the same time, you say I've been created male and female. And my gender is my core identity. It's who I am. It's how I identify. I don't feel very loved and accepted by you or by the church. So I want to try to address that a minute. I want to ask the question, who are you? Really think about this. Who are you? The core issue Who are you? What's your core identity? All of us are wearing shirts right now. We all have tags on the back of the collar. And for some the label says Old Navy and some it says Nike and for some it's Under Armour, Wrangler, um, go on and on and on. But here's the question. Who gets to label that shirt? The maker does right the maker is the one that gets to label that shirt who has the right to label you god not even ourselves not the culture only god god is our maker he labels us and he's the only one that has the right to do that our core identity is not our sexual identity It's deeper than that. It's who God says we are. It's our identity and who God created us to be. Wrestle through that. Wrestle through the smoke and the mirrors. I know those are real and hard, but that's who God is. You can fight that truth. And I've had many conversations. It's hard, and you can run from that. But until you wrestle with that, there will be no peace in your life. It'll constantly be an issue that comes back, back, and back. The second group I want to speak to is probably the majority of us in here. You're listening to what I said. You agree that God created you male and female. Thank you for standing on biblical truth. Thank you for having God's word as authority in your life. In our, in our culture today, with all the pressures and the ideologies, uh, the, it takes a strong conviction to stand on the Word of God. I'm so glad to be part of a church that stands on biblical truth, but I want to say this. When you hear a message like this, at least when I hear a message like this, as I listen to them, I can easily get angry. I start hearing stories of what's happening to kids And the agenda that is being pushed. And I get angry. And I have to remind myself of this verse. In in Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Can I have the next slide please? Don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Because... It is God's kindness that leads us to repentance. I have never argued someone into the kingdom of God. I have never yelled someone into becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. I have never posted a hot-button topic online and then had the people go, Oh, yes, tell me more about Jesus. I've never gotten a message myself, a, an email or a DM or, or something else, and it was angry in its tone, and I'm like, oh, yes, I want to listen to what you have to say. Never. Because it's in God's kindness that leads us to turning from our sin. It's God's kindness that leads to life changes. There will be somebody in the next year sitting next to you at work or church or school or at a sporting event. That they don't know what to believe. They're having thoughts about their own gender identity. And if all they hear is us as believers rallying against it, they're going to shut down and they're not going to have a conversation with you. Be the type of people that understand that it was God's kindness that brought you to repentance. Be the type of people that that can, can express grace and truth at the exact Same time. There's a time for righteous anger. The time to speak truth. But is there somebody in your life right now that you need to be patient with? To show kindness to? Is there someone across the aisle from you that you need to show deep love to this week? To show them the love of Jesus Christ before you can even have a conversation with them? The world will never hear our truth For grace is not felt. Every Sunday morning, we pray before the sermon. Sometimes there's one of us. Sometimes there's two or three of us. Somebody in there said this morning, this this question has been in my mind ever since. Is the Lord pleased with what you're doing and the choices you're making? Is the Lord pleased with what you're doing and the choices you're making? Let's pray. Father, that was way longer than normal. But God, there's so much that I wanted to say. How much your Holy Spirit has laid on my heart over the last months as we've talked and studied. But God, your word is truth and that's what I keep coming back to. You have created us male and female. You have created us for your honor and glory. So, Father, for those in here that are struggling with that this morning, Father, may they move forward and may they understand that a little bit more clearly. Most of all, may they know that you love them and that we love them. And, Father, for us as believers, for those that don't struggle maybe with male and female, but there's other areas in our life, you've already given us the victory, Father. May we live out of that victory. May we show your kindness just like you showed kindness to me, which led to repentance. May we show kindness to those around us, full of grace and truth this week. And Father, may we be people that honor you and please you with all of our lives. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.